Tonight, I want to talk to you about the blessing of believing. This is a book of blessing. It speaks of bless or blessing over 500 times. Our God is a God of blessing, and he wants to bless us. Blessed is in the first chapter of the Bible, and it's in the last chapter of the Bible, and it's in so many all the way through it. In the Sermon on the Mount, the first recorded public teaching of Jesus, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus began, and the first word out of his mouth, blessed. He gives what we call the Beatitudes, and every one of them starts with that word, blessed. I just want to tell you, God likes to bless, and we need to know that we are blessed. All of the freedoms that we enjoy, the prosperity that we enjoy, so many great spiritual blessings that we have, we are blessed. And sometimes we just kind of take things for granted. Sometimes it seems like we forget a little bit. So you might have heard this just slightly different way, but if you're blessed and you know it, say amen. 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 Not just happy. You know, some people now, they, they say, oh, you can just take blessed out of the Bible and stick happy in. That doesn't do blessed justice because blessed is beyond happy. It's happy, but it's more than that. You know, the, the antonym, the opposite of blessed is cursed. Yeah. And just to, you know, make it a little more, I guess, relatable. If you're going to pick a a different anonym, it it would be miserable. But we're blessed. I'll tell you how wonderful to have the blessing of God on your life. And our Father, He wants to bless us. To be blessed is a state of well-being. It is a state of prosperity and happiness. But the best way to say it is it's a state of well-being. The Lord, in Psalm 35, 27, the Lord be exalted who delights in the well-being of his servant. Now think about that. The Lord delights, another translation says, takes pleasure in you doing well. Well, You need to hear this tonight. He takes pleasure in you doing well. He's delighted by that. Now, how many parents do we have in here tonight? Do you delight in your kids doing well? Oh, of course you do. And I'm telling your heavenly father, it's in his word that he delights in your well-being. David said, my cup runs over. And I believe that the Lord wants our cup to run over. Just to be overflowing with the blessings of God. I think there's a greater measure of the blessings of God than what most believers are living in. And we need to, we need to believe that he wants to bless us. So many of the blessings of God come to us through believing. I mean, here, here's the conundrum here. You see, if you, if you don't believe, you don't experience many of those blessings. And you know, when people don't experience many of those blessings, a lot of times they think, see, that's not really for us. 
No, we need to get it headed the other direction. We need to get a positive cycle going here where I believe that the blessings are for me. I believe God wants to bless me, that he wants to do me good. And because I do, guess what? They start coming in my life. There's a blessing that comes in your life because you believe. Again and again and again, it happens. So many of the blessings of God come to us because we believe. Galatians 3 Five, and I'm going to read some of these verses tonight from the NIV, especially here in the book of Galatians. But Galatians 3, 5, it says, Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Now, let's just kind of make it a little bit more current to us. Does God give you the spirit and do miracles because you're so religious and good? No. It's because you believe. By the way, this is a rhetorical question. The answer is supposed to be obvious. It's because you believe. Why does God do miracles? Because we believe what we heard. It's as simple as that. A lot of the time, you know, people that haven't been taught not to believe, when they hear that God does miracles and they believe that, guess what happens? They receive miracles. Why? Oh, because they're so good and they're so spiritual. No, because they believe what they heard. And you see this again and again and again in the, in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus never checked anybody's spiritual pedigree when they wanted to be healed or they wanted their child to be delivered. He never said, now, how many times have you been to church this week? How many times did you pray? Did you read your Bible? Now, we all learn Sunday how important those things are. Amen? We're supposed to be training to be godly. Every day. But understand this. God's not judging our spiritual pedigree to decide if he's going to do a miracle in our life. It's because we believe. In Galatians 6, 9, he says, those who have faith are blessed. Wow. We need to realize that virtually all of the blessings of God are received by faith. We're so blessed to be in the U.S. Amen. We're so blessed. If you, know, if you were raised in a Christian home, you just need to know how blessed you are. But if you know the Lord tonight, you need to know just how blessed you are. So many things we take for granted. So many fantastic promises and blessings in the Word of God. And almost without exception, there's always faith involved. See, we live in a doubting world and I talk about the religious culture in America a lot because America is very very religious not everybody believes in Jesus not everybody believes in the God that we believe in but I'm telling you America is super religious and there is so much false doctrine out there and so much skepticism and doubt and unbelief that is taught openly, that it impacts people's faith. It impacts believers' faith. You need to hear tonight what the word of the Lord says because I'm telling you, God wants to bless you, but so many of those blessings are only going to come when you believe. You know, when you talk about somebody being a doubter, it reminds me of Thomas 
In John 20, 24 through 20, 29, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe it. Now I want you to know, that is the exact attitude of a whole lot of the religious world and even Christians. I'll believe it when I see it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Well, there's a word from the Lord Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Who's blessed? Those who have not seen and yet believed. See, we don't walk by sight. I believe it when I see it. That is the world. We are a people of faith. We believe it because he said it. And that's enough for us. I don't have to see it. I believe it if he said it. That's good enough for me. See, in this world, so many people are missing a blessing from God just because they don't believe. They're missing out on what God has for them. Skeptical, cynical world. I think maybe even more so in our time than any time in history. And you know what? It's because we're surrounded by so many fakes and phonies. I mean, in the time we live in, they can take audio or video and they can manipulate it and make it look like anything. You can't believe what you see. People say all kinds of things and nobody wants to be taken in. Nobody wants to believe a fairy tale. I mean, nowadays, you know what they can do with video and computer graphics, and it's amazing what they can do. You You can't believe what you see. And so we become so skeptical and so cynical and so unbelieving. But you see, we need to put God in a different category. God is not a man that he should lie. That's what the Bible says. You see, we need to understand that when God says it, that's different than when anybody else says it. We take God at his word. That's real faith. We're not talking about fantasy faith where you just pretend. We don't need any pretending. We need real faith where we believe what God has said. You know, we've all had disappointments and you know, times that we wanted to believe, but we just weren't sure that it was real. And I want you to know that when the Lord says it, it's real. God cannot lie. And here's the thing. Hebrews eleven six tells us, and without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith it's impossible to please God. You see, when we don't have faith, we're not pleasing God. This is what pleases him. 
when his people believe. And here's part, I believe this is part of why that's so true. It's a matter of character. It is us believing who he is. That we don't question him. That we don't doubt him. That what he says, we believe. If he makes a promise, we believe it. You see, to not do so, it doesn't please God because it is an affront to his character. He cannot lie. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 13 and 14, Paul writes this to the Thessalonians, and we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work you in you who believe. Now, there's a couple of things that in here that I think we need to take note of. First of all, it is the word of God, not the word of men. And here's what we need to remember. You see, when the Bible is being preached, it is the word of God, not the word of men. When men are just talking, that's not necessarily God. You know what I'm saying? It is the word of God that we can count on and that we say, we count it as it is. It is the word of God. See, we all know what a, what a, a person's opinion is worth. Two cents. And I want to tell you humbly, I know my opinion's worth about two cents. But I also know that his word is absolutely true. And when we hear the word of God, we have to count it as it is the word of God. And then he also says this, though. He says that it, he says that it is at work in those who believe. See, the word of God doesn't have its way in everybody's life. You got to believe. Jesus makes this real clear in the parable of the sower. There were some, you know, they, they, all, they all heard the word, but there were some that never received it. There were some that, that received it with joy, but then when times got hard, they gave it up. There were some that had so much junk weeds in their heart at the same time that it choked out the word of God. But it was those who retained the word with a good and noble heart that brought forth a harvest. And I'm just telling you that it's those who believe that's what he said. He said, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. Jesus told the religious people of his day, you make the word of God of none effect by your traditions. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of teachings of men today that make the word of God of no effect. It keeps people from the blessings of God. Now, if you're having trouble believing what you need is more of the word of God because that's where faith comes from. Our faith is based on his word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. King James says it this way, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You don't get faith from circumstances. Well, you know, when everything lines up and everything looks good, I'm going to believe. That's not faith. 
You don't get faith from feeling. And you don't get faith from people unless they're speaking the word of God. Because our faith has to rest on the word of God. That's the only sure thing is his word. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, have faith in God. Jesus never taught. You need to watch out for that faith stuff. I want to tell you, I know that there have been some that have gone to an extreme on a certain doctrine to, to the point of error where they, they just went off the deep end. I understand that. It's amazing to me how often that happens with all kinds of truths where they just take it to the extreme where it's not true anymore. But you need to know this. In a doubting religious world, all these religious Pharisees and scribes, and you know, they're all so prim and proper, and they knew what the scripture said, although they didn't really know it. They could quote it, they just didn't know it in their heart. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he is preaching things that are so opposite from what they taught. He says, have faith in God. It's easy, easy, easy to preach doubt and unbelief. But Jesus was a faith preacher. Now, that might rub us the wrong way just because maybe that brings up some connotations, certain images and things in our mind. But I'm talking about a real faith preacher. He says, have faith in God. And then he says, I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Sounds like some crazy faith preacher, doesn't it? No, it's our Lord and Savior. Now, I got to tell you, I don't see the disciples going around casting mountains into the sea. In fact, Jesus didn't do that. But he is teaching a principle of faith that if we really believe in our heart, that God will move. And that's what we need is we need to have faith. Verse 24, he says, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received, it will be yours. How, how's it going to be yours? Well, you know, we prayed and, you know, we just kind of, we hope, we wish. No, you, you, you decide that you believe you've received it. Well, nothing's changed. You believe that you've received it and you will have it. Jesus' words. Hey, I'm just, I'm just expounding. I mean, I'm just repeating over and over what he said. Whatever things you desire when you pray and believe you receive, you shall have them. Wow. That's faith. Can't wait until you see it and then believe it. Do you know nobody gets to heaven that way? Nobody. Nobody's like, you know, well, you know, I'll believe in the cross and the blood of Jesus and salvation and forgiveness of sins and being made righteous. I'll believe it when I get to heaven. You ain't going to get there. You ain't going to see it. How do you get there? You believe. You believe even though you haven't seen it. You believe. 
Why is it we understand this principle about salvation, which is a much bigger miracle than whatever else we might be praying about? You don't, you don't see it or you don't believe it when you see it. You believe it when he says it. And he says, if you believe it, if you believe you receive, he says, you shall have it. Wow. A lot of people barely have faith for salvation and nothing else. And they're missing out on so many blessings. I want to go back to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3, verse 5 again. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? It's because you believe what you heard. That he does miracles. That he gives you the spirit. You see, it's because you believe that he blesses. We're going to go on. Verse 6 says, Consider Abraham. He believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Did you know the New Testament it tells us that the same is true for us? There's a righteousness by faith. We, are, we aren't righteous by what we do. No, our, our, we are only righteous by faith in the blood of Jesus and what he's done for us. Verse 7, he says, Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. We got any children of Abraham in here tonight? Those who believe are children of Abraham. This is what the scripture teaches. If you believe, you are a child of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. There it is. And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. How? All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. If you have faith, you are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Verse 7 said, those who believe are children of Abraham. Verse 9 said, those who have faith are blessed. Faith matters. All kinds of blessings that come when we believe. You see, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, oh, how it just opened up the door for so many blessings that are now available to us because of Christ. Just because we believe in him, now there are all kinds of blessings that are available to us. But guess what? We have to believe. We have to believe that those blessings are for us. Galatians, let's drop down to verse 13 and 14 of Galatians 3. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse that is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come on to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. The blessings given to Abraham would come on the Gentiles. That's you and me. Through Christ Jesus, the blessings given to Abraham. Just want you to remember that. So that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. In Christ, we have been blessed with so many spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1.3 says it this way, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Spiritual blessings... Some people think, oh, I'd rather have a million dollars, you know, something tangible. What's this spiritual blessings? Oh, you just don't know. 
Because I want to tell you, you can have a million dollars, you can have a bazillion dollars, and you can be miserable. You can just, just live and just, just want to die. You can be so miserable. Money doesn't make people happy. It's amazing how people turn this, it, this kind of teaching into a thing just about money. I believe God wants to bless you materially. I really do. But it's much more than that. And the, bless, the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ, you can't buy them. They're worth far more than money. Oh, to have his righteousness, to have the peace of God, to have the joy of the Lord, just to have that relationship with him where the Lord really is your portion, that he's the one that satisfies the longing in your soul. Listen, every spiritual blessing comes to to us. It's available to us in Christ. How blessed we are. We are so rich to be called the sons and daughters of God, so rich to have the Holy Spirit in our life, to be a joint heir with Jesus, to have the Holy Spirit lead and guide us, comfort us, teach us all the time. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Do you see how much we have in Christ? We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Blessed us along with Abraham, the blessings that Abraham had are for us. I just want to mention a couple of those. There's a, a number of them, but here's one from Genesis 13 too. Abram was very rich. He was just very rich. I realized the other day, I was thinking about somebody that had money. And I was thinking, you know, I have so much more. I am so very rich. Rich as a child of God. Rich in church family. I'm rich. I feel so blessed. I'm telling you. I just overflow. Rich in natural family, rich in friends. Just, I just feel so rich. I, I wouldn't trade what I have for $50 billion. Not kidding, not exaggerating, not putting on. I wouldn't trade what I have for any amount of money. I'm just telling you, you might not realize how rich you are, but you are. And the blessings of Abraham are available to you. Here's another one, Genesis 24, 1. Now, Abraham was old, well advanced in years, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Wow. In every way, the Lord blessed him. And those blessings are available to you that you be blessed in every way. But I want to, I want to do something a little different tonight. And this is a little strange, but y'all are going to put up with me. And um, I don't usually do this kind of stuff, but I'm doing it tonight because I felt like I was supposed to, and y'all are going to help me. So, you see, it's because of Jesus that we're so blessed. It's because of Jesus the curse of the law has been removed. See, we've all messed up. None of us deserves God's blessing. We deserve the curses. That's why Jesus had to die on the cross. 
There's no one righteous. No, not one, the Bible says. We all deserve the curses. But he removed the curse of the law. Galatians 3, 13 and 14, and we'll read it again. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessings given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, I want you to see this again. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Everybody say it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Let's get that one up there because we're going to need I don't want anybody to forget Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. There it is. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, all right, now that's your part. I'm going to read just, just a, about a third or so of the curses that are listed out in Deuteronomy, beginning in Deuteronomy 28. And every, after every verse, I'm going to read a verse, and you're going to say, Cur- from the curse of the law. That's right. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. That's right. So y'all don't have to put the ones I'm reading on the screen, okay? Just keep the other one up. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Here it is. If you do not obey the Lord your God and do not carefully follow all his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed, the crops of your land, the calves of your herds, and the lambs of your flocks. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. The Lord will send on you curses, confusion, and rebuke and everything you put your hand to until you are destroyed and come to sudden ruin because of the evil you have done in forsaking him. The Lord will plague you with diseases until he has destroyed you from the land you're entering to possess. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, with blight and mildew, which will plague you until you perish. The sky over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath your feet, iron. Go ahead. Yes. The Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. It will come down from the skies until you are destroyed. I just got to get three more, okay? The Lord will send fearful plagues on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters and severe lingering illnesses. Oh, man. He will bring upon you all the diseases of Egypt that you dreaded and they will cling to you. The Lord will also bring on you every kind of sickness and disaster not recorded in this book of the law until you are destroyed. Aren't you glad? Oh, man. He's redeemed us from all of that. And, you know, a lot of the things that we battle and we go through, you know what? That's exactly what we need to say out of our mouth in faith. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Not because I'm good, because Jesus became a curse for me. 
He redeemed me from the curse of the law. And guess what? Hebrews 7.22, the Bible tells us that Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant, not a lesser covenant. You know, sometimes people read the Old Testament and they say, oh, that looks really good. I want you to know we have a better covenant. Hebrews 8.6 says the ministry of Jesus has has the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one. And it's founded on better promises. I'm telling you, what we have is amazing if we just believe. Believe all that he has provided for us. I just got to read a few of the blessings from Deuteronomy chapter 28 because there's a whole bunch more. I'm just going to read just a little bit. And here's why. You see, Jesus didn't deliver you from the blessings. He delivered you from the curse of the law. There's nowhere in the scripture where it says, and Christ has delivered us from the blessings of the law. No. You see... When, when we obey God and we do what God wants us to do, I believe the blessings of the law are still for us. We have a better covenant. He didn't deliver us. No, the promises that we have, what do you say? This is, it's Hebrews 8, 6. It says this covenant is founded on better promises. But I just want to read a few of these from Deuteronomy 28. Verses 1 through 6, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord God will set you high above all nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be, shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds. The increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks, blessed shall your, be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. I'm telling you, the Bible is full of blessings. They are called promises. Yeah, so many promises that are available to us. 2 Corinthians 1.20, no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken to, by us to the glory of God. Listen, there's so many that will tell you, no, that promise is not for you. That promise is not for you. They'll tell you not to believe. I challenge you, I tell you by the word of the Lord, you need to believe. There are blessings that come when you believe that aren't going to come if you don't believe. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And here's what he says. He says, we have to say the amen. All those promises, they're for us. He says, they are yes in Christ. And through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So I say amen to the promises, amen to the glory of God. Because we have a righteousness that is by faith. It's not something we've earned that we deserved. Romans 3.22, the righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. And you know what? When you realize, when you realize that you've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, when you really get it, it opens up a world of promises to you. Here's one of them. Psalm 37, 25 and 26. I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. 
they are always generous and lend freely, their children will be blessed. Amen. So many promises for the righteous. I believe that the peace of God is for me. A peace that passes understanding. Philippians 4, 7 says, Isaiah 26 and 3, a perfect peace. I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. We talked about that one last week. I believe that I can do, listen, I can do anything that God wants me to do. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4, 13. I know that God is going to take care of all my needs. That doesn't mean he's going to fulfill all of my covetousness. It means he's going to take care of all. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 19. Oh, and I love this one from Psalm 103. When I'm sick, when I mess up, he forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. The same one, see, a lot of people believe the first part. They just don't believe the second part. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. Well, David got that right. He forgives all my iniquities. He heals all my diseases. I'm glad it's the same one that forgives my sins. He also heals my diseases. And you know what? You see that in the ministry of Jesus when he forgave a man and then he healed him. And I'm just telling you, that he forgives all your sins, he heals all your diseases. And when the blessings of God are flowing in our life and overflowing, oh, we can be a blessing to others. He blessed us to be a blessing. You know, that was one of the blessings of Abraham, is that the whole world would be blessed through him. Genesis 12, 2 and 3 says this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing. We read the, the blessings that were on Abraham are on us, the Gentiles, through faith. He says, you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Abraham was blessed and he was a blessing and all people are blessed through him. And guess what? People are supposed to be blessed through us. Not just our family, not just our friends. No, we should be a blessing even to strangers, even to our enemies. We bless those who curse us. That's what it says. That's what our Savior said, isn't it? And I'm just telling you, God wants you to be blessed. He delights in your well-being. He also wants to bless through you. You see, it's not just for me. No, I believe I'm rich because I'm supposed to be a blessing to others. I like this story about a little girl that went to school and the teacher noticed that she was having trouble reading. And the teacher said, I want to take you and get you some glasses. And she takes the little girl, gets her eyes examined, and gets her some glasses. And the little girl said, I can't, I can't accept these. I can't pay for these. And she was embarrassed by her poverty. And the teacher told her, she said, no, when I was a little girl, 
Somebody paid for me to have glasses. And they told me that you can pay for these glasses when you buy some for somebody else someday. And, the, and she told the little girl, she said, Now, I'm giving you these glasses today, and you're going to pay them back when you buy, buy glasses for somebody else. And that little girl left out of there not feeling like the recipient of charity, but instead someone who is responsible to carry on a blessing to, to help somebody else. And that's the way it is for us. God has blessed us so much, and he wants us to be a blessing to all. And I just encourage you tonight, listen, there are so many great promises, so many great blessings that are available to you, but if you don't dig into the word of God, if you don't take heed to the word, see, I, I really believe if you stay in this church, you're going to hear a lot of scripture and you're going to hear a lot of, of faith being preached. But you got to get it down in your heart and, and let God bless you the way he wants to. It happens when you believe. There is a blessing in believing. Stand with me.